And I want to begin by asking a question. Uh, it's on your outline, on your worship folder, uh, and it's on the screen. The question is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, in the Gospels, Jesus invited people to follow him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And today, thanks to social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, follow has a different meaning uh, than it had in the past. Uh, to follow today certainly has a different meaning than it had in the Bible. The idea of following someone on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's built around the idea of personal convenience, personal preference and interest. Uh, you know, when you follow someone today, it's, it's when it's convenient for you. You, you follow the people that you like uh, you know, you can like or unlike someone. You can follow or unfollow someone with just a tap of a finger. They say something you don't like, click, you gone. I just I don't like you. I'm not following you anymore. Uh, you know, they post something you don't agree with. You know, you stop. So to decide to follow someone or to decide not to follow someone can just be a very simple, very spontaneous, very convenient a decision. I follow you on my terms. That is not the kind of decision that you make when you decide to follow Jesus. Uh, following Jesus is not a decision that is made out of personal convenience. It is a decision that is made out of personal conviction. Conviction, not convenience. And I, I love this theme song, Christ is Enough, that these guys have, uh, have done. They're going to sing it again after the message. Uh, the song includes the chorus from a hymn. Uh, many of you probably recognize it. It was actually written in the 1800s, about the 1850s. It became really popular in the 1950s and 60s in the Billy Graham Crusades. Uh, Billy uh, you know, used that uh, to great effect. Uh, the hymn is called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I didn't know this until this week, that that hymn actually originated in India. Uh, the lyrics are based on the last words of a man in northeast India, that's the area where we work, uh, who along with his family uh, was converted to Christianity in the middle of the 19th century by some Welsh missionaries. And in the Hindu culture, to convert to Christianity is a capital offense. And so this new believer was called uh, before the leaders of the village and um, commanded to renounce his Christian faith. And so standing in front of the village, uh, facing uh, the threat of execution, instead of renouncing Christ, uh, he announced, I have decided to follow Jesus. And so they brought his family out in front of him and uh, threatened uh, them uh, with uh, execution. And he said, well, though no one joins me, still I will follow. And so the man's wife is killed in front of him. And while they are, are preparing to execute him, he says, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. I mean, that takes the idea of I have decided to follow Jesus to a whole new level. I mean, this is not a matter of convenience. This is a matter of conviction. So with that thought in mind, I, I want us to look at what does Jesus expect of someone who follows him. And he lays it out for us uh, very clearly in, in Scripture. Uh, let's jump right in here on your notes on the screen. Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. 
On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. So the people who had encountered Jesus are obviously confused about who he is. I mean, you can see all kinds of confusion in, in, in these answers. You know, some say you're John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist had recently been beheaded by one of the Herods, but some people recognized John was a powerful preacher with a powerful message. Jesus is a powerful preacher with a powerful message. He must be John the Baptist come back from the dead. Uh, some, the Old Testament prophet Elijah was a candidate. Uh, Elijah, again, a powerful preacher with a powerful message. Uh, Elijah didn't die. He wasn't buried like everybody else. A, a chariot of fire came down out of heaven and scooped him up. And so they thought, well, you know, this Jesus must be Elijah come back to earth. And then it says other people thought Jesus must be one of the prophets. Uh, evidently, everybody had their favorite Old Testament prophet, and so they just thought, well, Jesus must be, you know, whoever prophet they liked. And so there's all this confusion on the part of the people. So Jesus asked the disciples, he says, uh, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter's the first to respond. Peter's always the first to respond. He's always the first one with, you know, a hand up. I'll walk on water, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. And he just puts himself out there. Peter answered, you are the Christ, which is exactly the right answer. But it's going to become very clear in just a moment, that while Peter had the right answer, he didn't fully understand it. So he gives the right answer, but, but he's missing uh, the nuance of it. Because evidently for Peter, his understanding of who the Christ was, who the Messiah was, is that, that he's this earthly king who's going to rule and reign and make Israel a great nation. You know, Peter thinks Jesus is going to launch a military campaign against the Romans. He's going to run the Romans out of Israel, set up his own nation, set up his own throne, be free from their oppressors. Uh, Jesus is going to be king, going to be ruler. And Peter's thinking, I'm going to be right there with him because I'm in on the ground floor of this deal. So he knows the right answer, but he doesn't fully understand it yet. That's why Jesus said, uh, says Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Because, you know, he didn't want Peter giving out the right answer with the wrong impression. And you may have experienced that in, that in your life. Maybe you've taught your kids something, or maybe, you know, you have somebody who, they kind of get part of the story, but, you know, you don't want them being your spokesman yet, because it's obvious they only got part of the story. You want them to get the whole thing before they start uh, telling everybody. And so we've got this basic understanding on the part of the disciples. You are the Christ. And so Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Suffer, rejected, killed. That is not what Peter and the disciples had on their list for the Messiah to do. And the Messiah is supposed to be the man. He's supposed to be the king. He's supposed to be the answer. Suffering, rejection, execution, that just doesn't compute. This is not what they signed up for when Jesus said, come follow me. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And I love that. I love that in, in the Bible. I mean, it makes me laugh. Peter began to rebuke him. I mean, how long do you suppose that lasted? I mean, Peter just told Jesus, you're the Christ. And then he begins to rebuke him. I mean, I'm thinking, uh-oh, 
This isn't going to go well. And look at the next phrase. It says, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. You know, at Peter's rebuke, Jesus' head snaps around like my mom's head used to in the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just, and he's just given, given the disciples this intense look, maybe even a glare. I mean, this made such an impression on Peter that when he told his story to Mark later, Mark included the detail of that look in his gospel. I mean, that's how intense the, the, this look and this interchange was. I mean, it, it's made it into second, third generation of, of storytelling here. And he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And that's the crux of our misunderstanding of what it means to follow Jesus. When I think that following Jesus is about what's in it for me, I have the mind of the things of men, not the things of God. I'm missing the point because following Jesus is not about what's in it for me. Following Jesus is about what's in it for Jesus. It's about what's in it for God. And so Jesus gave his disciples this little pop quiz. He discovered, you know, they know the right answer, but they really misunderstand the underlying concept. And, And he, you know, the crowd is just confused. I mean, they think everything, John the Baptist, Elijah, some prophet. So Jesus, the master teacher, he grabs a hold of their confusion and he makes it a teachable moment. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me. And I stop there right in that verse because I want you to think about what might be after the comma. Jesus is about to answer the question that we started with. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What's he going to say? And Jesus does not give the answer that the crowd or the disciples were expecting. And he doesn't give the answer that probably even you and I are expecting either. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you're really going to understand this concept of following Jesus, you've got to understand that it means that you are living your life for him. You are going to deny what you want for your life. You are going to take up what Christ wants for your life. And Jesus says we must take up the cross. Now, in our day, that, that, that's lost some of its punch because we don't think of the cross the way the crowd and the disciples did. When we think of the cross, we tend to think of jewelry and T-shirts and, and wall decorations, and, and there's nothing wrong with you know, jewelry and T-shirts and, and wall decorations with crosses on them, except this is not what it means to take up your cross. I mean, when Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've you got to take up your cross, I, I just imagine that, that crowd just gasped. Because, because they understood, this, we're not talking about decoration here, we're talking about dedication, we're talking about dying and execution. The idea of dying to yourself and living for Christ. He says, for whoever wants to save his life, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it anyway. I mean, if you're thinking, no, 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 Jesus, you you went too far here. You're asking way too much from me when you ask me to die to myself. Jesus said, I got news for you. I got news. You're going to lose your life anyway. 
You, you, you try to hang on to your life. You try to live for yourself. At the end of the day, everybody dies. Doctors die. Joggers die. People who eat organic food die. They just die with a bad taste in their mouth. Jesus says, if you think, I'm not doing that, I'm not denying, I'm not crossing, I'm not giving up my stuff. Jesus says, if you think you're going to save your life, if you think you're going to make this life all about you, if you think you're going to keep your stuff, you're losing it anyway. But, whoever decides to lose his life for me and for the gospel will save it. You try to live your life for yourself, you're going to lose it anyway. But you, you choose, you decide to live your life for Christ, you'll find it, you'll save it, you'll get to keep it. And that is just counterintuitive to, to how we live naturally. We naturally want to hold on to our life, to protect ourselves, our stuff, to fulfill our dreams, to live for me. Jesus says, no, no, if, if, the, if you do that, you will lose it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? And we've all thought that after every funeral. I mean, you, know, you go to a funeral and think, wow, that was a short life. They're seeming shorter and shorter all the time to me. You know, we didn't know it was going to end that quickly. And then we come to the realization that our eternal decisions are more important than our earthly ones. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? I mean, what would you give to get your soul back? And the answer is everything. And then he further defines what it means to follow him. He says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Because deciding to follow Jesus has significant eternal ramifications. It is the single most important decision that, that you will ever make. You know, I said last week that planting Rockwork was you know, the third or fourth most important decision in my life. Well, obviously the most important decision in my life was decided to follow Jesus. I mean, it trumps every other decision that you make. Now, why am, why am I talking about this? Well, because we have a lot of people at Rockbrook who are at different stages of following. You know, not everybody is at the same place in this process. And just like Jesus spoke plainly to his disciples, plainly to the crowd about this, I have an obligation as a pastor to speak plainly to you about this. Because we've got people at all different stages of following here at Rockbrook. That's, that's actually one of the things I love about our church. When I started Rockbrook, I had a dream of starting a church where people could just come wherever they're at. Just, just wherever they're at. And just come in, you know, wherever and so it's fascinating it's it, it, it man it's a rodeo to pastor this place because you know we got people who've been believers for decades we got people who aren't believers yet we got people all the way in between and that's good uh, i actually think that's healthy for a church but it also means that it's my job to clear this up from time to time i mean just to encourage you to take your following seriously wherever you're at in the process. Because if you will do that, you will find out what your life is all about. In fact, you will end up saving your life instead of squandering it. 
And so the reason I have to teach you on this plainly is because it doesn't make sense on the surface. It didn't make sense to the crowd. It didn't make sense to the disciples. Jesus had to pull them in for this teachable moment and make it clear. And I have to, I have to do the same thing for you. I mean, you would think that if I want to find my life, then I just need to live it up. You know, I just need to make a big bucket list and try and fulfill it. Get all I can. Can all I get. Sit on the can. Spoil all the rest. God says, no, 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 no. If you want to make sense out of this life, you need to lose your life for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. And when you lose it, you'll save it. I mean, that's just counterintuitive to the way we think. Now, in his gospel, Luke tells this same story, but he includes one little word that Mark didn't, and I'm going to show that to you. It's in Luke 9.23. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, say the next word, daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, daily implies that there is a process to this following. You know, it is a, a decision that is made in a moment of time that is then played out over time. Deciding to follow Christ is not a decision that you make when you're eight and, and you're done. It's not a decision that you make when you're, when you're you know, uh, 16 at camp. It's not a decision you make when you trot off to college and meet a navigator. It's not a decision that you make you know, at just some point and then, you're, and then you're just done. You know, we are on a journey of discipleship. There are stages and steps that we have to take in, in order to, to get there. And so as your pastor, I just want to explain to you what this process looks like because all of us are somewhere on this journey of following. And wherever you are in the process of following Jesus, you need to find out where you are. And then you need to find out what's your next step. Because that's really, that's, that's the definition of following, is just taking the next step. I mean, if you follow somebody, that's, that's all you're doing. You're just next stepping yourself right after them. And so, but you've got to find out where you truly are in the process in order to know what the next step is. And when you do that, when you do that, the, the guarantee is, is that if you will make following Christ, if you will make serving God a serious part of your life, anyone who loses his life for Christ's sake finds it. You will. You'll find it. But if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it anyway. Uh, tonight I want to just lay out for you what, the, what this progression looks like, how, how this works, because we need to understand it if, if, if we're going to live it out. And, and I've been uh, living out, preaching, teaching this model for 20 years. Rick Warren showed this model to, to me 20 years ago. And uh, Rick is just a genius at taking the deep things of the Christian life, spiritual things, and just making them simple and just laying them out. So on your notes on the screen here, we've got these stages of following. And the first stage is called the crowd. The first appeal that Jesus made was to the crowd. And, and as a church, that's what our first appeal is. Our first appeal is to the crowd. We reach out into the community and attract a crowd to come to worship. And we create a weekend worship experience that's fun and uplifting. We give you coffee. We take care of your kids. We've got great music. I get all cleaned up. And you know, we invite you just to come. Come and see. Come and check it out. And that's the same message that Jesus gave to the crowd and also to his disciples. You know, the first message that Jesus gave to Peter was just come and see. 
And the first time that, that Jesus met Peter, uh, you know what Jesus did for Peter? He filled his nets up with fish. I mean, you know, Peter's like, whoa, I like this guy. I mean, man, I, I'm going to follow this guy, see what happens next. And then later on, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, and Peter had second thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I'm just joking. I love my mother-in-law. She's not here tonight, I can say that. But she's a sweet lady, and so is your mother-in-law. But at the start of this process, Jesus was simply saying to people, come and see. You know, that's where we start as a church, come and see. And that's where many of you are. You just started coming, and, and you're wanting to know, what is this following Jesus thing all about? Well, let me tell you what the next step is. The, the, another step in the process. It's called the congregation. If you like what you see, then we invite you to become part of what's going on, to come and join, come and belong. And I just want to extend that invitation to you. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've just been here for a short time. I want you to feel free, spend some time, check it out, look it over. You're welcome here. We're glad you're here. Just, just come and see. Just check it out. But understand that there is a clear invitation on the table. A, a clear, ongoing invitation for you to come and join us, to come and belong. That's your next step. Because more, than, more importantly than joining the church is we want you to join Christ. Christ is inviting you to become a member of the body of Christ. Christ is imparting you, inviting you to become part of the family of God, become part of the flock. It's, it's more than just believing in Jesus. It, it is belonging. Belonging is the next step. You know, the Christian life begins when you believe in Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Salvation is not the goal of the Christian life. Salvation is the beginning. It's the start of the Christian life. And so if you've never become a member of Rockbrook, if you're just still kind of hanging out there in, in the crowd, and, and you know, maybe even coming a long time, you know, the, the, the length of time in the crowd doesn't make you a member. It's a decision. And so I want to encourage you, on Sunday, September 1st, we're going to be offering our next membership class. Sunday, September 1st, Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, we're going to be offering the class from 1.30 to 2.45, hour and 15 minutes. We'll have you out in plenty of time to get home, get ready for the, get ready for the, for the game. Because we want to give you an opportunity to move from the crowd into the congregation. Come and see, come and belong, come and join, come and be part. Now, that's not the final stage either. There, there's a stage after the congregation, and that's the stage that we call the committed. And these are for the people who say, I want more. I want more. I realize salvation isn't the end of the Christian life. It's the beginning. And so the invitation to these people is come and grow. Come and grow. And with this group, we just encourage you to get into a small group. We're going to be launching our small groups in February. Just pick a small group that's studying a topic that you want to grow in. We talked about this last week. You know, my debts, my uh, health, my habits, my relationships, my marriage. And just jump into a small group. Learn how to live the life that Christ is calling you to live. Learn how to, to die to yourself and live uh, to Christ. I mean, that's pretty heady stuff. Uh, I'd encourage you to get on, on the growth track uh, the growth track is we've upgraded our life development process around here. In, in, in 2015, we're launching a, a, a new discipleship process. And uh, growth track is the terminology for it. And the first Sunday of every month, 
this year and ongoing. The first Sunday of every month, we're going to be offering Church 101, and that's, that's the class about membership. The second Sunday of each month, we're going to be offering Essentials 201, and that's about discipleship. Okay, I've made a decision I want to follow Jesus. How do I do that? And we just walk you through the practical application, the habits that you need to build into your life if you want to be a disciple. Third Sunday of every month, we're offering Discovery 301. Discovery 301 is helping you to discover your spiritual gifts, your personality, and your passion. What does God make you to do for him? And then the fourth Sunday of every month, we're offering Dream Team 401, and that's about serving uh, in a ministry. And we're going to offer those growth track classes every month uh, on a rotating basis. And if you're ready to grow, I'd encourage you just to, to jump in on the growth track. Now, the next level of following is the core. And the core is the invitation to come and serve. Come and see, come and join, come and grow. Now come and serve. Is there a place where, where you can put me to work? In the body of Christ. I'd like to greet or set up or clean or rock babies so a mom can come to the service or work in Rockbrook for kids or work in the youth group. And you might say, well, Kelly, I mean, is serving really part of the following process? Yes. I mean, you have no idea what your Christian life will be like until you work one service and worship one service. Around here we call it work one, worship one. And it is amazing what that will do to your spiritual growth, what it will do to your life fulfillment. I mean, don't just take my word. Ask somebody who does it. You know, ask somebody who works in Rockbrook for kids. Ask somebody, one of the greeters. Ask somebody on the cleaning or setup crew. Most of them will tell you that they like the service where they serve better than they like the service where they just sit. Is that true? Got a bunch of our Rockbrook for kids people over here. Yeah. I put them on the spot. They're shaking their heads yes, just so you know. Why? Why? Because you were made to serve. You, you were saved to serve. You were called to serve. Jesus says, come and serve. Why would he say that if it wasn't important? Why would he say that if it wasn't to your benefit? Why would he say that if he didn't expect you to do it? You were made to be a part of the body of Christ and to serve the other parts. And so this year, we're, we're going to be inviting you just to become part of our dream team. Dream team is the, is the ministries that make the weekends happen here at Rockbrook. We're rolling out a whole system. Chris Brown has come on staff last year. We've been working for a year, tooling this thing up, a system of recruiting and training and coaching and working with people and growing leaders. And, and our goal is to mobilize you to accomplish God's purpose in your life, in our church, in our community, literally in the world. We, we want to help you follow Jesus. And so I'd invite you just to, over the year, just, just you know, go through the growth track, become part of the dream team, because if you are serious about following Jesus, th that'll help you do it. And this is a whole strategy of our church right here, just laid out in, the, in these, uh, these four things. Uh, the crowd is the weekend service. That's where we evangelize, share the gospel. The congregation, those are the people who are plugged into the body through membership. The committed are the people who are growing through discipleship. And the core are the people serving out of their gifts, their passions, uh, through, through Dream Team and other ministries. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Because Jesus designed uh, his call on our lives to take us to the ultimate goal, the ultimate level, and that's what we call the commission. The commission's call is the ultimate call. It's not just a call to give Christ a Sunday or an evening out of the week. It's taking it to a whole new level. 
I am giving the rest of my life, I'm giving all of my life to Christ. And I'm not saying that you've got to go off and become a, you know, a monk in a monastery or become a pastor or become a missionary off in some foreign country. I'm just saying that following Jesus Christ is not just about Sundays. It's about serving Christ with my life. I'm going to serve Christ in my home. I'm going to serve Christ. When I go to work, I'm going to serve Christ and share Christ through my work. I'm going to live my life, give my life to this. Because it's not about this life, it's about Christ. You know, I go to that football game. I'm going to use my tailgate to tell people about Christ in, in my church. I'm going to use every opportunity to do what this life is all about. And that is to serve Christ. I'm going to come and die. Because my life is not about my life. My life is about Jesus. And I'm going to give all of my life to him. I die to myself and I live for Christ. Now, you are somewhere on this list. You're somewhere on this continuum. You're somewhere in this process. And, and I'd encourage you to find out where you are in that process and then just take your next step. Because if you'll do that, it, it will make this year your best year ever. And I'd encourage you just to go from wherever you are. You, you may be at no commitment, or you may be somewhere in the process, but I'd encourage you to move from no commitment to total commitment, to move from being a consumer to being a contributor, to move from seeing Christ as your Savior. What can Jesus do for me? To seeing Jesus as your Lord. What do I need to do for him? See the difference in that perspective? That's what this series is about. This series and this, this year, growth track, all of this stuff, is about laying out a pathway of following Christ. And that's just what a pastor does. You know, the biblical term for pastor is, is a shepherd. And what the shepherd does is he just lays out the path, makes it clear so you can follow. That's our goal. Let's pray together. You know, wherever you are here tonight, I, I would just encourage you to ju just thank God that you are where you are. If you've come here tonight and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, just thank God that he's brought you to this point. He's brought you to a point where you can take the next step. You can open your heart and life to Jesus and say, Jesus, please come in, forgive me of my sin. Life hasn't made sense as I've tried to live it for myself, and so I need someone to show me how to live. Will you do that? God has promised that as we come to him, as we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, whoever believes in him will not perish, but will find eternal life. God will give you that new, abundant, eternal life that he promises to those who believe in Christ. And maybe you've been a believer and you've just been kind of isolated and alone, or maybe you're new in the community and, and, and you've just been looking for a place to belong, looking for a spiritual family. And just thank God that he's brought you to a place where, where there's a church that you can join, that you can belong, that you can connect with. Would you say, God, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of this. What a great gift. I'm going to move into membership. I'm going I'm to belong. And maybe you've been a, a member of a church for years, and your next step is to begin to grow. To begin to overcome those hurts, habits, and hang-ups that have bound you up over the years. To begin to break free in areas that, 
that you've never found the freedom that Christ offers to begin to move into a small group or celebrate recovery, move into those areas, let Christ do a new thing in your heart and life. Make this year the year of the breakthrough, year of the turnaround, the year that's new and fresh and alive in ways you never dreamed possible. Maybe you've been growing and, and you've just never felt ready, never felt capable, never felt called to serve. Let me tell you, God has called you. When you come to faith in Christ, you, you put on an apron to serve. You roll up your sleeves to go to work. Jesus calls us to come and serve. And So maybe this is the time you need to decide, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to step out there. I'm going to find a place, even if it's just menial acts of service, rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than a king. I'd rather mop floors in the church than be an ambassador. I just want to serve you, Jesus. You've done so much for me. And maybe this is the year where you just decide I'm going to give him all. I'm just going to live daily, daily, moment by moment with Jesus Christ as my Lord. I'm going to yield my life to him God, if I try to hold on to it, I'm going to lose it. And so I'm going to offer it up to you so I can save it, so I can find it, so I can fulfill it. God, in this moment, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name, amen.